This is a podcast from Minute Media. 15 days to the NFL draft. It's the Windy City Bears podcast. Patrick Schmidt coming up. I spent a lot of time at Soldier Field this weekend trying as hard as I can to make the case that the Bears should stay at Soldier Field. Mike North coming up later in the week. Have that audio up for you on Thursday. Pappy, long-time, long-time Chicago personality, dominator. You know him, you love him. North a little bit later in the week. But we talk draft. Schmidt's got his top five receivers. We talk about the top five Bears draft bus, which is a fun run through time. And we start out with trying to keep the Bears at Soldier Field or not. And maybe, how about it, a second football team in Chicago? Yep, that discussion is on the pod today. The Windy City Chicago Bears podcast starts right now. Showtime. Schmitty, I'm going to tell you, I did a deep dive today. It was I probably spent too long on this because there's so many options. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it's hard to limit it to five. I, I mean, it's... <laughs> Cedric Benson, Curtis Enos, which way do we want to go here? Maybe no take, spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Well, that's a slight spoiler. They're both not on there. I could I could say that. But here, let me uh let me let me tell you about my weekend here, Bears fans. And please uh please jump in. Uh feel free on the chat. And I, I would love I'm trying to mount a, a movement here to keep the Chicago Bears in Chicago at Soldier Field. And I understand. I understand. It's not a perfect place. It's a pain in the ass to get to. It's a weird configuration. Why we have uh, a spaceship on top of the uh, whatever you call them. The the what am I what word am I missing right now? The the poles, the monuments, the the, columns, uh, yeah. the columns, the columns. Right. Why the that whole scene and the columns were landmarked and we can't move the columns. I get it. Uh, it, it, it's not perfect, but the Chicago Bears belong in Chicago on the lakefront, and there can be improvements made. And we discussed this somewhat uh, last week. I, 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 I sat there at the 18th Street Bridge on Saturday, and I'm interviewing just uh, borderline harassing people who are walking their dogs, running and whatnot. You want the Bears to stay at Soldier Field? And these are people in the neighborhood who – maybe don't like, I don't know, the traffic of a Sunday and want a peaceful neighborhood and maybe they don't go to Bears games. But to everybody that was there, Schmitty, yes, yes, I want the Bears to stay in Chicago. And for them to go out to Arlington Heights and, and get this sweet new stadium, I, and and our, <laughs> our guy from CHGO used to work with us over at Fanside, Nicholas Moriano, say it's time to move to Arlington Heights. No! No, it is not. It is not time. It will never be time. They belong in Chicago. That is home. Fix it up. Make it nice. I walk the campus. There's there's, there's plenty of room for more beer carts, whatever else you want to put there. Set up some sweet badminton things. Let's get some, let's get some bags going. Uh, <laughs> where are you at on this? Like, come on, man. Soldier Field, Lakefront. There's a statue of Hallis. There's a statue of Sweetness. They belong in the damn city. Yeah, well, Carm, you you made a great argument there. Very compelling. I applaud your efforts spending your weekend uh, outside Soldier Field doing 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 the yeoman's work there. Um, I'm, I'm ready for a change. I think wherever the Bears play, they're always going to be the Chicago Bears. 
whether it's the uh, Arlington Heights locale or not. I'm I'm on board with Arlington Heights. I really am. I want some new amenities. I want some new sight lines. How many how many of the same B-roll clips do we need to see at the lake? I mean, of course, it's gorgeous and it's great, but it's kind of a dump as far as the stadium is concerned. And you look around the rest of the NFL. I mean, the, the stadium is the, the smallest or one of the smallest in the NFL. Um, I'm ready for a change. Let's, you know, it's probably always going to be hard to get to seeing the Bears play, whether it's in downtown Chicago where they have the, you know, the L, the buses, all of that. It's going to be, it's going to be tough to get to Arlington Heights too, because those highways are not equipped for the influx that would come on a, on a Sunday morning afternoon or, you know, the rare Monday night, but boy, whatever happens, there needs to be a a huge infusion of money, like more than you and I can do more than a GoFundMe is going to be able to do, but I'm ready for something different. I'm ready for for a new stadium, a domed stadium, uh, someplace where they could potentially host a Super Bowl. That's really what it's all about. Bring in more money for this franchise that, you know, let's face it, you know, they don't want to cry poor, but they're not uh, they're not flooded with uh, with cash like some of the other owners in the NFL are. Can I try to argue against you as best I can here to, uh, just to pick yeah. it apart? Number one, are you going to be able to afford tickets to go to the Super Bowl? Like, what's it going to really matter to you if the Super Bowl is played in Arlington Heights? What will that do for you personally, Spinner? Me personally, I'm not going to be able to go to a Super Bowl at Soldier Field or Chicago Bears Stadium at Arlington Heights or anywhere else. So, so what I would you- love to see it. And, you know, I would love to watch it on TV. Say, hell, that's, that's where the Bears play eight times a year. That's our home stadium. So it doesn't affect me personally as far as seeing a Super Bowl, but I would love to see the Bears play in a Super Bowl, you know, one day in their own home stadium. Maybe they host some Final Fours, uh, some other big-time events that could come to a new stadium. Uh, okay, all right. Let me just – let me rewind back to the, to the whole getting to the stadium part. Like, people are like, oh, it's going to be sweet. And you, you named it. Like, going to – Arlington Park on 53 and whatever the Bears' new fan duel uh, stadium is going to be, that's going to be two hours in, four hours out, or like everyone's like, oh, you could, but you could take the Metro there. How, how long do you think it's going to take to get on the longest Metro train of all time? How many trains is it going to take to get on out of there? Whereas in the city, I can ride the bus down Michigan Avenue. I can take the L to Roosevelt. I can do... I can drive. There are people that drive to Soldier Field and, and make that decision. I could I could drive to the south side, get on the Metro, and come on down and get off at 18th Street. You're right there. I, I understand that it's not perfect, but like if you really boil down getting to the stadium, what it's going to be and what it is now, you can't tell me that it's going to be like heaven going to Arlington Heights. And by the way, it's in Arlington Heights. I didn't get to hang out in the city uh, for a, a Monday night game, Sunday night game, right? Have a great day, live the dream. I'm hanging in River North. I'm hanging in the Gold Coast. I'm hanging in Wrigleyville. I'm hanging on the South Side. Then I'm riding the train. And what a day! Versus, I got to get out to Arlington Heights and do what the hell I'm going to do all day long. That's not. Yeah, I mean, come uh, on. of course. I mean, the city of Chicago versus the city of Arlington Heights. Right? I mean, you, you can't go to the Field Museum. You can't go to the Shed. You know, when you're you're watching the game at Arlington Heights. But I think if you're going to a Bears game, you are committing. That whole day, you're not really going to nickel and dime. Oh, you know, it's going to take me an hour and 15 to get there. It's going to take two hours to get home. You you think about going to Cubs games, you know, it's not, you know, it's not easy to get in and out of Wrigley, especially if you're coming from the suburbs. 
Uh, so it's a commitment. It's a day-long event. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a sunk cost. It, it's going to be hellacious no matter what. But, you know, the, the way you made that argument for Chicago's public transportation, I really think you need to get Lori Lightfoot on the phone here and maybe join her cabinet or whatever they call it for uh, the Chicago mayoral office because I have never seen someone stump so hard for the CTA. <laughs> the CTA right now is having its troubles. Uh, hashtag get safer CTA. Let's there go. go. I want to be able to ride you at any time of day. And wow, not freezing. Like, yeah, let, come on. You can do this. Let's, 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, Mayor. I, I got your back, life, but I am, you can do this. And to Schmitty's thing, we, listen, everything on the table. Let's get a roof on top of Soldier Field. There's some really smart people out there. I'm not one of them, but somebody no. can figure this stuff out. Now, the stadium size is an issue to getting the Final Four that you're talking about. But, I, hey, maybe we don't get the Final Four, but maybe we've got the sweet roof. Let me, throw, let me throw you another angle. You look at what happened in Los Angeles. The San Diego Chargers are now the Los Angeles Chargers. They belong in, damn Los, in San Diego. That didn't happen. Okay. Uh, and the Rams should, in my mind, at least should be in St. Louis, but whatever. At least there's history there, and Eric Dickerson was running around. They paid $5.5 billion for that stadium. Now, the Bears stadium probably was not going to cost that much, but it's going to be in the $2 billion range, $3 billion. And the McCaskies have a ton of money, but they're not the richest NFL owners. By the way, shout out to damn Buffalo, where the, yeah. Pagu the Pagulas, the Pagulas, Schmitty, $5.8 billion in net worth, Terry Pagula, with a B, and they're getting $850 million from taxpayers. I hope that does not happen. Zero. Zero money. Let's have some integrity. We need, we need schools and everything else that make the regular person live their life in the best way, way more important than a football team. NFL teams want to be in cities like Chicago. You're not going anywhere. It's a little bit different in Buffalo. But the Pagula still shouldn't be getting that dough. Yeah, integrity and billionaires, those are two words that rarely right. go together. Right, right, right. Well, it could. Uh, I mean, we could get some Bill Gates going on here. He's giving back a ton, but whatever. The Pagulas are getting their money. But here, my, my point is this. Listen, maybe it makes sense for this sweet stadium to have two tenants. I don't think the Bears would necessarily sign up for that, but maybe when they see the, ta the bill that it's going to cost, if there's no taxpayer money, maybe they'd be like, all right, well, we'll share it with somebody because having, you know, 10, 11, 12 events a year in one place, as great as Bears events are, it's a lot better if you can double that with a second tenant. And or I'll throw out there, let's say the Bears are not on board and Soldier Field is sitting empty. I'm down for a second team coming in and playing at Soldier Field. Let's go to football teams. We got it in L.A. and they don't even give a shit about football. I mean, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's USC and then Big Gap, you know, the, the Chargers and the Rams, you know, and the Rams just won the Super Bowl. Um Chicago, third largest city in the country. New York's got two, plus Buffalo. L.A., like you just said. I don't think Chicago would support a second NFL team, especially if it was an expansion team. I just don't see that happening. Don't think there's going to be any teams relocating uh, anytime soon. Like, is Jacksonville going to come to Chicago? I mean, I – I don't know. I can't really get on board with that. I would understand, you know, if Soldier Field is not being used, wanting to make use of that. Um, but I just, I can't get around to it because who's going to support this team? 
we have a century built in of Bears fandom. And like it's passed down through generation after generation. Like it's like figuratively and literally like in our blood, you know? So I just find that it's it's gonna be tough to to sell tickets to that stadium, to to sell merchandise and gear and apparel. Like it's not like the Bears are moving to to Carbondale or you know, something like that. Like they're just moving to the suburbs. Yeah, but the Chicago Cardinals, buddy, we and you were, you know, not exactly here. Right. But they were here for they were here for 40 years, 1920 to, to 59, and then made their way down to St. Louis, AFL, NFL mergers and whatnot. So we I mean it did happen. My my long my longtime favorite uh, radio Bears partner, Ed Obradovich, you know, he I've listened to him talk about it. I grew up going to Cardinals games. Like there was always I mean it, it the Bears were the thing. The the Bears were always bigger, but he I mean you went to those games. I don't know if you – do you remember the Blitz? Are you yeah. old enough? Yeah. Like the, the Blitz were kind of popular. Like people were going to Blitz games. I, I You know, the, the Rush had their run too. That's totally yeah. different. But, like, let's just say for argument's sake, the Bears suck. <laughs> and, and and we've got uh, we've got this other team that's Interesting winning Interesting hypothetical there. It's hard to believe. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. I know it would be, like, a, really hard to figure out. Like, Stretching oh, the imagination. Yeah. I, I mean, but like, let's say this other team, you know, we're going to get to our, our draft bust. Maybe, maybe this other team, I'll, I'll give one away here, d- doesn't go out and, and draft Stan Thomas. Instead, 11 picks later, this team took uh, Brett Favre and they're slinging around and winning football games. I, I, I don't know. People love a winner, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we could do it with two baseball teams. You have the American League team, you have the National League team. Ah, man. I don't, it's different because, you, you know, you have the, the Blackhawks and the Bulls being roommates, co-tenants at the UC and, you know, prior to that Chicago stadium. But, oh, gosh, it might take decades. I mean, it's like how much can you sell the, oh, it's a cool new thing and it's expansion team, new helmets, new jerseys. It would just be like so minor league to me. I think it would be a really, really, really tough sell. Chicago Jag Bags coming over. There you go. <laughs> Let's uh, shout Put out. Put it on a jersey, yeah. Shout out to my guy Mike North, who's going to be on uh, the Windy City Bears podcast. I'm going to scream at him about Trubisky and Fields later mm. in the week. Um, I listen. I, I'm just I'm trying to be creative here. I, I I get that if we're talking in in percentage likelihoods, the Bears are going to leave Soldier Field. The Bears are going to move out to Arlington Heights. It's going to be you know, five, 10 years from now, we uh, and and we'll all settle in and that'll be the thing. But like, end of the day, like I wish that the Chicago White Sox still played at Old Comiskey. Mm-hmm. I, I I wish, I'm, I'm so happy that the Cubs renovated Wrigley Field and never moved out of there. Uh, give me all the jumbotrons and everything else, all the suites, let's go. I, I mean, I can't stand that it, you know, tickets that used to be in the upper deck behind home plate, which were a great value, are now suites. That sucks. But at least you have Wrigley Field. Chicago Stadium, which you mentioned, was the my, my favorite place of all time. My childhood spent there. 11-year-old Carm watching Jordan as a rookie. The one playoff game that they won against the Milwaukee Bucks. Bulls, good luck. Don't get swept. Um, which I would not bet on, by the way. That's terrible, terrible end of season. But still a successful year for the Bulls. But, you know, I, I Chicago Stadium, the United Center, way more creature comforts. I'd rather see a game at the stadium. So it's the same thing for me with Soldier Field. That's where they belong. 
that's where, and it's still way nicer than when I was a kid when, you know, at, at the, at the original soldier field, that place was a complete dump. This is at least, it's a major step up from where it was. I, for me, so I, I don't know, maybe it's not letting go of the childhood, but I, I prefer, I don't need creature comforts in my stadium. Give, give me the old school. That's, that's just kind of how, that's where the heart is at this. Yeah. Project. And I think the nostalgia element is real and, you know, shouldn't be legitimate or delegitimized or whatever the word I'm trying to say there is. It's very real. And I think, the overriding reason why people will not be okay with leaving Soldier Field is because that's where they always watch the games. That's where they watch Walter Payton play. That's where they went to games with their mom and dad and grandpa and grandma and their brothers and sisters. That's that's their stadium. It's like it's ours. So leaving it behind to go to a different stadium, it's definitely going to hurt. But if the Bears are winning and going to playoffs year in and year out and competing for Super Bowls, and they just so happen to be doing it from Chicago Bears Stadium at Arlington Heights or however they're going to name it, Soldier Field at Arlington Heights. Who knows? Probably can't do that. But um, I, I think the nostalgia element will still be real. But I think we'll we'll quickly learn to uh, get used to it. Sure, sure. Everybody, you know, people enjoy going to Guaranteed Rate and eating the great mm-hmm. food that the White Sox. And they still call it the cell, you know. Cool. The cell will get a mention every now and then. Uh, right. And everybody loves the United Center and it becomes your home and that's what will happen and generations will move along and all that type of stuff. But I do want to be that guy that's just going to gonna fight for the old times here. Hey, we're going to get – we'll move along here. We're going to get to Schmitty's uh, draft profile uh, coming up here. But we had some fun taking some time. I know I did. And, and Patrick, you could start here. Uh, but as we edge towards the draft, and we're going to do a ton of uh, draft content coming up here, uh, including on today's show. But we did today, just for, for fun, to uh, transition out of this, our top five biggest Bears draft busts that played at Soldier Field. Would you would you like to go first here, Schmitty? Yeah, I, I'd love to. It's my honor. And like we said, this is it's tough to limit it to just five. You know, it's uh, Bears' first-round picks have uh, been bust more often than they've been hits. But um, I'm not going to go all the way back to the days of Stan Thomas because, like you and I, we both know about the former Texas Longhorn lineman top 10 pick. But um, I don't know how modern Bears fans or younger Bears fans, fans younger than you and I, will remember Stan Thomas. So I try to keep it a little bit more modern within the last 20 plus years or so, but uh, like we said, plenty of ammunition to work with. Got a couple running backs that you mentioned at the top of the show. My number five biggest Bears draft bust, Cedric Benson. Another Texas Longhorn, something about Texas football players busting in the NFL. RIP Cedric Benson. When I was thinking about this, I was like, oh man, it's like, it's sad that that he's gone. You You forget about that, but short career here with the Bears. Had a couple of good thousand yard seasons with the Bengals, but Top five pick in, in a year where there were three running backs picked in the top five, Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams, the two Auburn guys. We're never going to see that with three backs going in the top five again. Um, but didn't like that, especially because Thomas Jones was such a stud for the Bears, such an unnecessary pick. The guy I wanted in that draft was Mike Williams, the, the big beastly receiver out of USC. He didn't really quite work out either with the Lions, but um, – you know, not like that would have been any better, but it was just bad because 
it really alienated Thomas Jones in that locker room that loved him so much. So uh, for me, I had to start with Cedric Benson. Five, number four, David Terrell, the Michigan wide receiver, number eight overall pick. Guy had injuries, and then when he wasn't hurt, he was just bad. He, he just wasn't good. Um, thankfully, that Bears draft class able to get his college teammate, Anthony Thomas, the plotting running back, who was the offensive rookie of the year that year. So uh, that kind of salvaged things a little bit, but David Trell just couldn't get anything going here for the Bears. Number three biggest Bears draft bust, another wide receiver, Kevin White. Guy was a, a freakish athlete, kind of had all the size, height, weight, speed, everything from West Virginia. Had a, a really awesome, monstrous game in his season opener against Alabama to really kind of raise his profile. Dude just had one injury after another. You kind of wonder, you know, what could have been had he not had those just, you know, myriad injuries. So just didn't work out for him. It stinks. Uh, but nevertheless, Kevin White was a bust. Number two, Curtis Enos, the Penn State running back. Top five pick. Guy just absolutely stunk. This is when he had the, the long track record of, of Penn State running backs, Ejana Carter, Curtis Enos. Neither one of them could, could really do anything here in the NFL. And for me, this was just uh, an awful memory here. I'm at a track meet. And my number one guy, another story, the, the draft took place. I'm at a track meet. And everybody wanted Randy Moss. I mean, everybody, except for the Bears and really like 18 other general managers. But I'm hoping against hope the Bears can draft Randy Moss. And this is the day before you know, everybody had an iPhone in their pocket and, you know, everything was accessible. And I'm out like by the shop, put in the discus area. And I'm like, oh, who did the Bears draft? Who did the Bears draft? And, you know, the dads and the moms, they start chatting. It's like, oh, they took Curtis Edis. They took Curtis Edis. And I was just so mad. I was like, this guy sucks. Like, he's not going to be good. Like, why would you not take Randy Moss? And of course, Randy Moss turned out to be uh, you know, pretty solid, had a, had a pretty decent career. Um, and Curtis Enos had anything but that. So that was just, gosh, that was infuriating. That that hurt so bad. And you now he would probably be number one, if not for the Bears' biggest draft bust, being Cade McNown, the, the lefty quarterback out of UCLA. I just personally, you know, some guys, you know, they're just not talented, whatever, like, it's, it's sometimes it just doesn't work out your, your, your skills, your ability from college. It just doesn't translate to the next level for a million different reasons, whatever. But this guy's attitude, it, it was like, we think Jay Cutler had like a, you know, a don't care attitude, you know, laissez faire, whatever. Cade McDowell was 100 times worse than Jay Cutler had a very punchable face. I hated that guy from the moment they, I hated him at UCLA and it, it was even worse because, again, I'm at a track meet. We're at Glumbard West, and I hear, like, oh, the, the Bears drafted down. And this was the, the quarterback loaded draft. Tim Couch goes one, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith. And I'm like, oh, man, that'd be great if they could get Dante Culpepper. This dude is going to be a stud. Like, this dude from UCF, he's, he's just built different, you know? We think he's going to be really good. And I hear they draft – or they, they trade down. I'm like, oh, this is definitely for Dante Culpepper. Like, I think this is going to be good. And then, like an hour later, I hear, you know, the Vikings move up to get Culpepper and the Bears get Cade McNown, the fifth quarterback in the first 12 picks or whatever. And I'm just like livid. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, again, the Bears screwed this up again. Uh, but that's pretty much been the story following the Bears draft. It's like, oh my God, they screwed it up again. 
But yeah, Cade McNown, biggest Bears draft bust for me. Uh, you know, 25 games he made in the NFL. He had a total of 15 starts, Cade McNown. 15 big starts. Uh, let's see. He had eight touchdowns in both his uh, in 99 and in 2000. Just looking at it here, he was two and four in 99, one and eight in 2000. It, it, you know how hard it is to not get picked up by any other team? As, yeah. As, I mean, that's that's a that's an enormous accomplishment. But uh, we have we have some overlapping here, Schmidt. We uh, we'll get I you know I, we flipped three and two, but uh, I didn't even put Kate on my list. So oh, whoa 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 okay. I'm yeah, I'm well, very curious to hear your your five now. I, I'm not even I, I'm not even saying I'm right because there's just so many so many uh, options. But I, I I combined it with the reason why I didn't put put McNown on there is because if you look at that draft after him. There wasn't any like obvious selection. Not that there weren't uh, obviously a zillion other better picks. So I left him off, which is why I did start all the way back in time, 91, number 22 overall, the Bears draft, Stan Thomas. 11 picks later, 11 picks later, the savior of the franchise could have been Brett Favre, uh, but no, he goes to Atlanta and then to Green Bay. Thomas for his career, 56 games, 26 with the Bears, 30 with. Houston, a combined total of seven starts. I mean, that when you just look at that, and like when, when you look at one graphic, and you mentioned it, by the way, with Curtis Enos, and then like right after you see this guy, and then you see HOF. It's like yeah. you, you missed on a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just imagine if they had gotten that right. So that was, so I put Stan on my list at, at number five, even though he was late in the first round. Number four, I went 2008 and Chris Williams. 14th overall, he was injured when they picked him. He did manage to start for four seasons, but but Brandon Albert, two-time Pro Bowl guard, was the very next pick. And then there were four other multi-time Pro Bowlers in the first round. Chris Johnson, Aqib Talib, Tackle, Dwayne Brown, uh, cornerback Dominic Rogers, Cromartie. Like, just a, just, a, just a straight, awful, terrible – misinformed not doing your homework uh horrendous horrendous swing at it with chris what kind of, and what kind of made that one worse is they draft him as a left tackle and then the guy ends up having to play guard you know in the right. nfl after having back surgery so it's like oh great you can't even play the premium position we drafted you to be right right completely basically and utterly worthless uh all right here's my flip with you i i put curtis uh enos number three uh, and and you went through it here, but so this dude was fifth overall, three seasons, Patrick, three seven three two two three his yards per carry. I mean that's that's impressive. Yeah, um, that also sounds like my GPA in college by semester <laughs> too. So yeah, I mean it's not good. Yeah, I I was the opposite. I was like I was I was I was climbing up like one five to one nine, and I, I ended up with a powerful two four. Thank you, University of Iowa, go Hawks. Uh, thank God I made it through. But, you know, there were two All-Famers in the first round there, Randy Moss and, and, and Alan Fanica, who we, we've talked to recently. The, the Randy Moss thing's funny to me. I was, I was at the, uh, the, you know, the Bulls used to work out at the Multiplex, which is this health club in Deerfield, and a lot, of, and a lot of NFL guys would show up there. Like I would be playing hoops with Danell Wolford and Bo Douglas mm-hmm. for old-school Bears fans. They might know those names. But another one that would show up was Al Harris, who, who held out on the 85 Super Bowl team, him and Todd Bell. Al was a great guy, but I remember being like 16-year-old Carm 
sitting in the steam room with Big Al Harris, and like this is like highlight moment. And I'm like, Al, who do you think they should pick? He's like, I'm telling you, Randy Moss is going to be sweet. They should take Randy. I'm, I was thinking, like, eh, what the hell does Al know? Al knew, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seemed and, like everybody knew, and obviously hindsight 2020, but everybody knew. Yeah. And we went with Curtis Enos, who I was, you know, I'm going back researching this stuff today. Skip, he wrote, he, I forgot, he held out. Uh, and Skip Bayless, who was working for the Trib at the time, wrote this scathing piece on, like, what the hell is his agent doing? Like, his agent cost him, like, $3.6 million with this weird holdout. And then they weren't, like, willing to follow through on it. And so he got this, like, terrible – like, the Bears had already soured on him. So he got this terrible deal to stay. Uh, it's really just kind of bizarre to relive that one. Um, all right. Number two, you that's my Kevin White, uh, which was just a, an incredible window into what we had with Ryan Pace, trying to be smartest guy in the room. You, you had – dude had one good year at West Virginia, junior college guy. Uh, and he was, you know, he killed it at the combine, all that, but uh, ran a four three five forty. But just a just an awful swing, passing on guys like Todd Gurley, who had been first and second team SEC. He went three picks later, offensive rookie of the year, and he becomes the offensive player of the year. Let's take, let's not, let's not bet on that guy. Let's take the guy with one year at West Virginia, and then I, I, I stuck at number one with, I, I just, I still can't believe it, to, to this day. You traded up from three to two, giving up your your third rounder, your fourth rounder, and your third rounder. Three picks to move up one spot to draft Mitchell Dam Trubisky with Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes in that draft. I mean, should have been fired literally on the spot. What are you doing? Excuse me? Um uh, that I, I so I put Trubisky at number one, even though yeah, okay, fine. They went to the playoffs, and, and Mitch is not as I mean, he's twice the player as Cade McDowell or whatever. But I, I I made him my number one. That's an that's an interesting argument. You know, I'm going through my top five, and initially I, I had Trubisky in the top five, largely because of the guys that they didn't take. You know, Mahomes and Watson. Um, Mahomes <laughs> looks like this guy's already going to be a Hall of Famer. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson over the – you know, history is going to tell that story. But from a talent perspective, I mean, the, the guy Deshaun Watson was the guy I wanted in that draft. I wrote several things about it, uh, why the Bears could, literally couldn't pass on Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, in real time, I, I was I was livid that they traded up, you know, what they did to get Trubisky. Had they done it to get Mahomes or Watson, we're saying, oh, this was a great trade. You know, you, you got to give up a lot to get a lot. But I ultimately, I, I think I took Trubisky off because, okay, you know, this guy did start. Technically, he was on a team that went to the playoffs twice. Um, but like you said, from a production performance standpoint, it was a much better player than Cade McNown. But who they took or who they passed up to take this guy, it's really hard to find any fault in, the, in that argument because Mahomes, Watson, good Lord, had the Bears had either of those two guys over the last few years, we, we might be talking – about the Bears having a Super Bowl here. 28 and 2 in college and beat Alabama to win the national championship, played in it twice. So uh, that's interesting though. So you were you were writing at the time Watson's the guy, but you, but you did you call it close with Mahomes? Do you remember? 
Uh, Mahomes would have been my my second guy, but for me, I was I was all in on Deshaun Watson. You know, right after he beat Alabama, his Clemson team beat Alabama 400 plus yards. Just you know, putting on the Superman you know cape. You know, he was unbelievable. And one of those losses the year before to Alabama in the championship game, he was outstanding. He just lost to a fully functional, you know, pretty much an, an NFL roster on that Alabama team. So. Yeah, I was all in on Deshaun Watson. That's who I wanted. Mahomes was, you know, a clear number two for me. Um, but Trubisky really wasn't even in the conversation. And it's funny to go back uh, and look at where, like, Mel Kuyper and Mike Mayock and McShay and all the dudes uh, that do this draft stuff, they all had Trubisky as the guy. And, and it's like, what were they seeing? Because, you know, it's like, I, I to this day, I, I don't know what they were seeing. Like, he wasn't a difference maker in North Carolina. He didn't start until his last year. Marquise Williams, a guy that never sniffed the NFL, started over him for years. It's uh, it's it's befuddling. It's going to be one of the, you know, I might have to revise it, but I don't know who I drop out. Do I drop out Cedric Benson? Do I drop out Kevin White, David Terrell? Maybe I drop out David Terrell, actually. Um, but, yeah, it's it's tough, you know, because of that argument you made. He. Listen, it's interesting. You liked the guy who beat Alabama. The Bears took the dude who lost to Stanford in the Sun Bowl and was 23 of 38 and was picked off twice. Now he did throw two yeah. touchdown passes. I mean, that, you, it is impressive to, to have that much conviction and, and be that wrong. It is hard to do that. But uh, Ryan, Ryan Pace and company did it. So, uh, yeah. Mitch, good luck. In 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 Pittsburgh, and uh, and by the way, uh, uh, just really really sad over the weekend with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, and I, I don't need to take a run at anybody, but and I, and I won't say anything one by name. But it's like it's amazing to me that certain people can be so incredibly successful in life and not know to uh, when someone passes away to to, to tweet about their struggles. Uh, that that was just so incredibly bizarre to me that 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 lesson apparently needs to be taught yeah but a little, a little bit of humanity a little bit of sympathy and empathy it goes a long way i was I mean, working the the desk for fan sided at the time when it happened and he's just like you know you're gutted you're heartbroken for for him you know 24 years old oh. i mean so much younger than both of us it, it's so crazy like the older we get it's like when these people younger than us are, are dying you know it's like it's like oh my god it's so much life to live and, you know, married, family, you know, his, his parents, you know, everybody that loved him, his teammates, his friends, his family. It's just like, it's like you didn't need to be a Steelers fan. You didn't need to be an Ohio State fan to kind of feel like you lost somebody you kind of knew. It's like everybody was kind of mourning and kind of grieving all like in real time as we were all finding about this news and everything else that kind of came of that. I mean, plus, like, listen, if you just want to celebrate him on the field, first round draft pick. Incredible 50 Ohio. touchdowns at Ohio State, a Big Ten record. Right. A Big Ten uh, uh, Ohio State dominator. Incredible first uh, breaking on the scene. Um, Rose Bowl win. Right. Rose Bowl uh, champion. Six touchdowns against Michigan in a win. I mean, I mean come, come on. on. Come on, man. Come on, man. This is not hard. Um, but, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on to 2022, and, and you are our, you're our college football guru, Spinny. Let's yeah. get a, let's get a good pick here today, Let, and we can 
sort of remind everybody, I guess, uh, the Bears with picks 39 and 48 in the second round, one pick in the third round, 71 overall, no picks in the fourth, two in the fifth, 148 and 150, and then number 186 in the sixth round to wrap it up. Can you get me excited today, Shri? Take Take us to the next level. Do yeah, hopefully, hopefully these guys that I'm going to talk about, you know, five years from now in 2027, 2028, when we're revisiting the Bears draft bus, hopefully neither of these guys or none of these guys are on it. But yeah, like you said, no first round pick this year because of the Justin Fields traded up last year. Get that. You know, it's fine. They get a second back from the Khalil Mack trade. Yeah, it would have been great to get a little bit more from them. But what are you going to do? So anyways, we're looking at five wide receivers the Bears could potentially draft to support our guy that we hope is going to be the face of the franchise for the next 10-plus years, be our Patrick Mahomes, uh, basically, be our, you know, future Hall of Famer. Let's just, you know, let's not short sell it. Let's be all in best-case scenario here. So how can the Bears best support him? Which wide receivers can they take? A couple of guys we talked about earlier on some past shows. Guys are going to be available in the second round. Let's start with the Georgia wide receiver, George Pickens. This dude is a stud. Uh, he's coming off an ACL injury from last spring. Uh, played sparingly in the SEC championship game and in the college football playoff. I think he's going to be healthy. Of course, the Bears might be stung uh, after drafting Tevin Jenkins last year. Bears fans, I should say. Maybe they're a little skeptical of taking a guy with an injury history. But as we're going to talk about more, um, some of these guys are, are first-round talents, but they're dropping to the second round, third round, because they have some, you know, some some concerns about their past injury and their health. So uh, potentially, if it works out, these are first-round talents that you get in the second round. So George Pickens, big stud wide receiver out of Georgia, he's a guy that I'm looking at in the second round. Another guy that I'm looking at, Christian Watson, absolute freak show, about six four two ten, runs a sub four four forty. My biggest concern for him is, is this a guy that just dominated the competition in North Dakota State? And once he plays up against, you know, the big, bad NFL guys, are we going to see that same type of, you know, dominance? And I think that's a very fair question. And it's probably one where if the Bears decide to pass on Christian Watson, I'd be okay with it despite his great measurables. Uh, so Christian Watson, 6'4", 210, 40. He's a guy that's probably going to be available in the uh, in the second round. Uh, that could be a target for the Bears. Another guy that I, I really like is John Mechie from Alabama. Guy that's coming off an injury. Uh, we'll see if he's going to be healthy enough to run before the draft and and what he could do as a rookie. But uh, just you know, a really outstanding talent. Alabama's kind of become wide receiver U over the last few years and. This guy, if not for an injury, he's probably, you know, a top 10, 15 kind of a pick. So because of the injury, maybe you get him in that 30 to 40 range. So he's a guy that, you know, potentially does the risk outweigh the – or does the reward outweigh the risk? And I think it does, especially when you have two second-round picks. I think you could gamble a little bit there. So John Mechie from Alabama, another guy on my list that I'd be uh, – and I'd be eyeballing Alec Pierce, another dude we talked about previously, uh, out of Cincinnati, smaller school, but Cincinnati, uh, they play big boy football. We saw him in the college football playoff. Uh, they didn't win in the college football playoff. It was a tall order for them against Alabama. But this dude, you look at his height, weight, speed, and, and all the, the kind of testing measurables that he did, 
And one of the more likely comparisons to him is DK Metcalf, which is just kind of mind-blowing to me. We look at DK Metcalf. We saw the shirtless pick that kind of went viral before the draft. Just an absolute, like, Marvel, like, X-Men, like, superhero. Um, so he's a guy, maybe a local guy out of Glen Ellen uh, from Glenbard West High School. So maybe he's a guy that they look at for maybe their second of their two second-round picks. And the big wild card for me, uh, if not for an injury, a neck injury, spinal injury, a couple years ago at Clemson, Justin Ross is probably a top 10 pick, like a no-brainer wide receiver one. And now we're like, maybe he's a third rounder, maybe even slips into to round four on day three. But Justin Ross, for me, um, maybe if the Bears decide to trade down, get an extra pick in that third round or the fourth round, I think he's a guy that maybe you take a flyer on and say, Hey, we know this guy's got the talent when he's healthy. Um, fingers crossed he can be healthy. And if he is healthy, we get a guy that's, you know, maybe a, a first-round talent here that they get on, on, you know, potentially late on day two or early on day three. So Justin Ross, a big wild card for me. Certainly some red flags there with the medical, but huge upside for me. So I'm hearing a lot of injury Willing to take risk from you, which I guess, you know, when you're trying to hit a home run, which is where the Bears are at, uh, if they're going to, I don't know what actually competitive looks like here in 2022, but let's just put it from a standpoint, if you're really just trying to support Justin Fields with some elite talent around him, you're you're willing to take some swings and hey, if it doesn't work out, well, it doesn't work out, you know. It, it's it's worth reminding, at least to myself right now, the Bears have had uh, a lot of success in the later rounds as of late. Of course, we have a, a new GM in, in Ryan Poles, but that was the one thing that, uh, you know, Ryan Pace did well, really, right? I mean, and Jerry Angelo, too, before him, was was finding those, you know, Lance Briggs in the third round, Nathan Vasher in the fourth, yep. Evan Hester in the second, a guy you don't think is a Hall of Famer, but He's a Hall of Famer. You know, some late-round gems. Mike Brown in the second round. Olin Krutz in the third round. Right. I, I, Alex I, Brown in the fourth. In those years, you look at uh, who they picked in the first round, it's like, yeah, well, swing and a miss. But, uh, okay, you, at least you got Krutz. I mean, J Jordan Howard, uh, you know, not a Hall of Famer, but, you know, was a solid player for the Bears. Fifth-round pick. Um, you know, that was, that was at least decent. Nick Kwiatkowski who I hated to see go. He was he didn't get a lot of love when he was here, but he was a solid player. Um, you know, Darnell you know Mooney, a fifth rounder. You know, Darnell Mooney this guy's going to be our, our wide receiver one. Right. Um, Travis Davis. Gibson, a guy that's, you know, got big shoes to fill with Khalil Mack on. Um, he's going to be, you know, probably a starter on this defense. It's going to be interesting how this defense shakes out, obviously shifting from the 3-4 to 4-3, but yeah, every great team needs to find some some starters and, and longtime contributors in those middle rounds. But they also got to nail the first round pick. Without a first round pick this year, they don't have the full ammunition of picks. I think you need to be aggressive and t be a little bit more risky. You obviously don't want to throw caution to the wind here. You got to be smart. But sometimes you, you got to just roll the dice a little bit here. It is the draft. It is a bit of a crapshoot. But I think these guys, there are there's certainly some valid concerns, but without these concerns, there's no chance the Bears are going to get any of them, you know, in the second round or later. So 
There's no perfect yeah. prospect where the Bears are picking in the second round, third round, and beyond. So, you know, I, I'm trying to look at the the benefits here, and and I'm you know I, I'm putting on blinders here uh, for the potential concerns and red flags. Well, they wouldn't have gotten Eddie Jackson in the fourth round had he not broken his leg. Now, of course, that's True. gone a little bit south the last uh, couple of years, but he but for a second there, it looked like a hell of a pick. Um, it will continue as we get closer and closer to the draft with their just deeper and deeper dives into uh individual players and what the bears are going to do uh, my favorite part of today though was to, was when we were laying out the outline for the show and i i had on there well you know let's 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 uh let's talk about ryan griffin let's talk about dane cruchet let's talk about Tavon young let's talk yeah. about matt abrams another the bears new slot corner <laughs> schmitty you were having a heart attack i don't want to talk about any of these like i we get it you're signing these one-year guys who suck and uh, who are cheap and and and, and are never going to move the needle here. Uh, but I listen. Dane Krushank, he's supposed to be the tight end whisperer here, Schmitty. For the this, this dude's gonna he was covering Travis Kelsey out of the backfield. Uh, you know, doing a phenomenal job not out of the backfield, but out of out of the slot with you know matching up against the Chiefs. The dude, the dude is great against tight ends. Krushank, let's go, baby. I'm yeah, I want, I, want to, I want to see a lot of Dane Krukshank jerseys on the uh, on the lakefront this uh, this summer and fall. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't know, but uh, maybe if you don't win the Justin Fields jersey in our sweepstakes, maybe you get second place for the the Dane Krukshank. We should um, give away we should give away a Krukshank. I mean, come on, this is uh, we're gonna have plenty of giveaway options and sweepstakes and contests, but. Uh, I don't know if Dane Krukshank's going to make the cut. Maybe um, if the Bears do get one of these wide receivers that we talked about, maybe that's the next jersey Fairs need to uh, consider buying because there's not going to be anybody in this year's free agent class that they're going to go rush out and get their you know Khalil Mack jerseys and whatnot. So everybody looking to replace their Mack jerseys and their Akeem Hicks jerseys. Um, they might need to wait a year or two if they don't get the Justin Fields one yet because I think 2023 – uh, that's really going to be when the Bears open up the purse strings here and, and start kind of going on a spending spree and free agency. Krukshank, 382 snaps, very versatile, runs a 4-4, Schmitty. Get that. Hey, I love it. Fascinating. He's going to be me in a race. Um, you know, hopefully he can make an impact here. Obviously rooting for the guy. Just don't know if he's going to move the needle uh, as much as, you know, Cade McNown and Curtis Enos and, and just rallying up the uh, the anger and a bunch of red faces across the uh, across the landscape. Matt Adams, Indianapolis Colt, 58 games. Schmidt, he started nine of them. Last season, he played 79% of all Colts special team snaps. Let's not, I mean, come on. Fifth year out of Houston, led the Cougars back in 2017 with 12 tackles, including two for loss. I am fired up. I mean, if he needs a new agent, if he needs representation, we'll we'll hook you up. I mean, we'll get you the ten percent because you are selling it hard. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm all in on on all things Ryan Poles right now. I believe in you. You are finding the diamonds in the roughs, Krukshank. I'm in. I hope uh, so. You know, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, the Windy City Chicago Bears podcast every Monday at five o'clock in your in your off season. As we uh, continue to crawl towards the draft here, fun show today. Starting out with uh, the future of the Bears, and then getting into draft bus, and then, of course, with a look at the draft, and then wrapping it up with Krukshank. Uh, don't forget, 
which if you're just if you're just popping on right now, we are having a sweepstakes. Justin Fields jersey. We're giving it away. There's about three weeks to go in our sweepstakes here. So get in there in our, our YouTube description. It gives you all the details of how you enter, and you can do a different entry each day. Lots of ways to uh, – obviously, the number one thing is to follow the YouTube channel, uh, but also there's a, a bunch of other ways to give yourself a better chance to get that number one jersey. And, uh, yeah, Schmitty and I both have them. Well, at least Schmitty does. Has them uh, as a pro bowler at some point. I'm kind of a little bit nervous about number one. But we can talk about that next week. Patrick, good to be with you, brother. Good to be with you. I really think you need to get Lori Lightfoot on the phone here and maybe join her cabinet or whatever they call it for uh, the Chicago mayoral office because I had never seen someone stump so hard for the CTA. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Hashtag get safer CTA. Let's there go. go. I want to be able to ride you at any time of day. Ride you at any time of day. By the way, shout out to damn Buffalo, where the yeah. Pagu- the Pagulas, the Pagula Schmitty. $5.8 billion in net worth, Harry Pagula, with a B. Yeah, integrity and billionaires, those are two words that rarely go together.